gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. that. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Why the remarkable big daddy? Remarkable. Remarkable. Right? Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. This week, we're going to be talking about B2B marketing lessons on building community with the help of special guest, SVP of Community and Learning at Automation Anywhere, Chris Ninglehart. Something like 80% of startups today are leading with community as their marketing strategy. Community has changed and affected me in more ways than I could count. And remember, this is where magic happens. It's not just you talking to them, them talking to you, but it's them talking to each other. People actually have an identity as a fan of something. And when the young people are starting businesses and leading with community, that says that's where we're going here. Kristen, how are you? I'm awesome, Ian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining the show. We've known each other quite a while, and we both privately talk about community, and now we bring it to a public forum to, to, to bring so it exciting. to the masses. I know. I think, well, obviously, you know, it is, it is your career. It is my career. Building community is like something that I obsess about all the time. You obsess about all the time and thinking about it from a business sense. We did a cool episode for our listeners, like back, in, I think, episode three of this podcast, where we brought on a non-business community, the scuffed soccer community, and uh, Adam Bells to talk about how he built that community. And, and now today, we're going to talk about it more on the lens of building an actual business community, which you have done at Salesforce, which you've done at Automation Anywhere, and you are one of the experts in this whole wide world at building business communities. So, so excited to chat with you. Thank you. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So starting off, tell us a little bit about your work building community at Automation Anywhere. You know, it's actually a progression. My, my focus today in building community in automation is just the natural evolution from the 16 years I spent building community at Salesforce. And I joined Automation Anywhere about just over two years ago, part of the leadership team to help transform the company like many of us do and take it to the next level of growth. And as a leadership team, we fundamentally believe and see that community is a key lever to achieve those goals. So over the past two years, I've assembled a killer team and we've invested in the five classic pillars of community growth. We re rebuilt, frankly, some frayed trust between our product as it was and the people who use and implement it. We grew our community by 130%. And I think, Ian, it's important when you talk about like, what do we do and why? It's not just a volume game with community, it's the roles that you're reaching. And so in automation, we built from our beachhead of developers 
in added in automation program leaders who either buy or influence the purchase of automation. We created the Pathfinder program, which is essentially community live for our top customers and, and most strategic accounts. We rolled that out globally. We've made it our number one go-to-market lever to drive pipeline and upsell. We took our curriculum out from behind the paywall and just removed any friction around product adoption and, and relaunched modern learning with the Pathfinder Academy. And we created an MVP program that is just on fire. We have leaders in the automation ecosystem globally who share their expertise, their content on stage, on social, and in the community, telling our brand story through their own. And that's how I spend my days. And so why is it so important that companies build community? Like, why are we talking about this today? Oh, that's such a good question. And you and I have talked about this. I think if you ask 50 people, even in the B2B marketing microspace, what their definition of community as a lever for growth was, you'd, you'd get 50 answers, right? And a lot of people initially think, well, community is a site. You know, it's going to help me with case deflection. So it, it's a part of my support organization. There's thought leadership and, and learning communities, HubSpot and ServiceNow, you know, they are excellent examples of that. If you're a growing business looking for a CRM that is easy to adopt, aligns with your teams, and is able to adapt with you over time, you've totally come to the right place. I'm Mark, and today we're going to show you how HubSpot CRM is built to grow with you. The community is also a category creator and a, an enabler that allows a company like Salesforce, like Automation Anywhere, to build an ecosystem and a job economy. And whether it's in CRM or it's in automation or AI, at the end of the day, community is essentially your constituency of people, regardless of role, region, market, title, that you want to use more of what you have to offer, buy more of it, and tell others to do the same. And that's the magic of community. Yeah. So the way I think about community so I think about this thing called like your total addressable community. And, and this is a, a business term for like your total addressable market, your TAM. I think of it as like total addressable community. And so I think of this total addressable community as this is way bigger than you. They were there before you got there. They'll be there after, after you're long gone. And your goal is not to own the entire tech because that's like not really possible. You can't, um, yeah. Yeah, it's not possible. But within that, there are all these different sub-communities with different personas, with different levels of seniority, with different industries. And each of those sub-communities, you can have like different spheres of influence or like levels of influence. So like there's communities that you do manage. So your customer, your customer community, your users, which is like, a very different thing from just your customers. This is the subset that is actually in there using it. There's your customer advisory board. There's like the audience for your podcast or your event series. Those are all things that you have, you know, various levels of influence, some of them being, you know, 100% influence. Then there's all sorts of other communities within your, your tech that you don't manage. So that's like trade organizations, private Slack channels, Discord channels, group chats, yeah. all those other places where, where people hang out and live. In this video, I'm gonna compare Discord to Slack and make a recommendation on which platform you should use based on your audience, your goals, your budget, and the features and functionality that you need. 
you know, historically, these were, you know, trade orgs and publications. These were magazines back in the day. And then a lot of that happening at in-person events. And that, that you usually are trying to, like, pay to access that community. And one of the big sort of changes that happened, I would say, you know, years ago, with especially with your work at Salesforce, was to say, why don't we build our own that would be may, way more, you know, beneficial and and cost effective and drive more value to the to the people and to say like, hey, we know these people really, really, really well. Why don't we spend a lot of time and effort building this community rather than sort of like paying for access to these other groups where the, these people might pay dues and do all this other stuff? But we say, well, we don't. They don't have to pay dues for this. We can sort of figure out another way. And so, anyways, we'll get way deeper into that. But that's how I've sort of looked at this. And and when you see people, you know, I think content and community. Are, 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 and we'll get into this later, are, are constantly intermixed. And where you see the best efforts are the where you can niche down into those really specific sub-communities and provide as, as much value as possible. Those like inflection points where it's like, hey, people from trying to jump from director to VP that are in financial services, you know, like that is the type of thing where you can really dig in, you can create content, you can create events, you can, you know, put people together and 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 help them, you know, get to the next level and in, in the thing that they're trying to do. And like, that's where I think it's sort of endlessly complex. And obviously, you know, you've spent uh, a lifetime doing it. Well, I love what you saying, you're saying about a, a total addressable community. And you also said something really important, which is, you know, these people exist in the world long before you, your product, your go-to-market strategy existed, and they'll exist long after. And the most successful communities we've seen, I've had the privilege to be a part of you as well, is when you identify what part of the tack, to use your term, you need and want to focus on to drive transformation together, right? It may be we're going to focus like in Salesforce on the administrator and we are going to surround them with the input into the product and the career support and the peer ecosystem to make them wildly successful in their role, right? You can create beautiful CRM-powered digital experiences with Community Cloud. Here are four fast steps to building beautiful portals, forums, and sites. It might be like an amazing, like look at um, what HubSpot does around marketing and they focus on, we are going to make sure you can advance as a practitioner in marketing and it's their career or automation anywhere. We've completely invested in what's called the COE leader. I think of a COE as the heartbeat of an RPA practice, right? It's the central hub of where RPA best practices, governance, reusable code live and exist. Talk about micro niche, right? In automation, there is a role that drives automation, influences the purchase, and is like the linchpin for whether automation succeeds or fails in the organization. And we found out by listening, by hearing what they're trying to solve for, that we could advance their careers and their companies through an investment in them. And in return, they share their expertise, they share their content, they speak on stage for us, they tell our brand story through theirs, but they also help us drive the business and you get that magic flywheel. Yeah, and I think part of the thing that is so tricky with this is like you take a company like Salesforce now, which I forget the number of 
products now, but I think it's like 13 large. Oh, there's probably more. There's probably more, but there's sort of like 13 large elements of the like customer 360 thing that, that, that Salesforce mm-hmm. has. So we'll just say 13 distinct personas. We'll just say that. And then a million other sub personas. So they're like total address of communities is essentially every single person in business, you know, now, which is extremely hard to, to sort of shape. But, you know, you need to, and each, each, you know, person who's leading a product there is, you know, thinking about those communities, each marketing organization that is thinking about, okay, well, this is, this is how it relates to, you know, no code developers, or this how it relates to salespeople or, you know, whatever it is. And so it's so interesting in like the big enterprise where you have all of these different, you know, people in your total addressable community, what an organization like Salesforce does is they look at not only that, but who are the people who influence these people? So someone like exactly. Will I Am or people like that of like, how do we bring them into our community? Michelle Obama, you know, these sort of things. Like, how do you bring people that influence the people who are who you are are working with? So that's that's one way of doing it. And then from the bottom-up approach is like, okay, the Salesforce admin piece is like, how do we build this entire trailblazer community around admins and around all this other stuff. So you can come at it from a bunch of different angles. I think the most common or one of the most common communities that we see people build is their like developer ecosystem because developers don't like to be sold to. So it's the easiest group to just say like, well, let's build a community for them and let's, you know, get some developer uh, evangelists and advocates and let's surround this and it's going to be super important for us. But most of the time, 95% 95% of the people in that community are not signing the dotted line on the product. It's yeah, like they the, don't write the checks. Right. right. And again, for some marketing orgs, that is a bridge too far. They're like, why would I market to people who are not signing the checks? So that is where I always advocate that people look at that tech, they look at their sphere of influence and what are they most trying to drive at which stage in the company, right? So I do a lot of advising on venture, right? And so when you are in early seed, early stage of growth, you are trying to identify your ICP and ensure product market fit, right? And so who you go and talk to and invest in will be different at that stage than when you are in hyper growth and you are scaling and you want to make sure that you have a nurtured relationship with your most strategic partners and your most strategic customers. And so where you invest and the programs you drive, the content you create, the people you hire is very different When you are just starting out saying, I'm going to make sure I have a good DevRel person and an input into product versus I need a customer advisory board in all of our key markets and a go-to-market motion where I am doing campfires or Pathfinder workshops for our largest customers in, you know, five cities. And it's a growth spectrum. And now that we see the shining example of, of the Trailblazer community today, we forget that that community started out because the best part of the training class for admins was the five minutes after when everyone was exchanging ideas and said to, you know, the godmother of community, Erica Cool, hey, you're teaching our training class. Can we have a site where we can talk to each other after? That was it. That was the beginning. 
you for staying this long. Um, all right, well, the title is Community is Smart Business. And if anybody has known me, been around quite a while at Salesforce, and I've been really on a mission to prove that this is really the right thing for Salesforce. And that was the problem Salesforce started to solve with a specific role and a specific goal. And now today, you see a completely stratified approach and strategy. And to your point about reaching your buyer community, that's where the Forbes partnership comes in. And that's where Sales Blazer and Marketing Champions and all these different segmentations come in. But the key is just to know when you're starting out, what problem am I trying to solve for which stage of growth I'm in and which sliver, slice, pie, piece of the, of the tack do I most need to invest in, understand, know, and serve? Zooming out, Meredith, tell us about community in marketing. So when I think about community in marketing, it sort of suggests that customers are more deeply engaged than just making a purchase from the company, right? That is Meredith O'Neill our amazing producer extraordinaire. So these are customers who are aligned with your brand values, your mission, and your brand promise. They're more loyal to the brand. They recommend it to friends. They're posting about it on social media. They generally like evangelize the brand and are mega fans. And for instance, like the Apple community, right? They have users who are offering suggestions and answers to customer questions. And that's totally separate from the Apple's customer support. And so that's a great example of community. And Kristen, you already mentioned the community flywheel. And so if you're going to use this sort of community-centered approach to building your brand, there are sort of five things you need to be doing, which is know your communities, do a bunch of research into who your customers are, what they care about, their concerns, their pain points, make your brand story talkable. So Obviously, this show is called Remarkable because we want to talk about things that people are sharing, people are excited about, people are talking about sharing with friends. So make it easy to talk about and make it understandable. Zoom in, really focus on your hero products, these products that are the hero of your company, right? And you want to fuel the conversation across channels so you are you are interacting with people on your social media, across all your channels, and then make simply make your transactions effortless, right? So you want to make it as easy as possible to purchase, do business with your company. I was looking into some statistics from McKinsey about this, this one way to um, build your brand through community, right? One of the biggest things is that three quarters of the content being put out there is actually user-generated. So your customers are so excited about your company that they're making their own content, putting it out there. So 75% of that content is made by users, which is free of charge to you. Like it's just out there, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then they call it the influencer engagement rate, but the percentage of users who are liking, commenting, sharing your content or that content is greater than 2%. More than 4% of online traffic is converted to sales. And then Brand-related posts, so it could be either by the brand or by customers, consumers, go viral at least twice a year. So those were all from McKinsey, and I thought it was really interesting, especially the part about user-generated content. You know what, Meredith, this does not surprise me at all, these statistics. And I think also to, to zoom out even further and place that impact in context of what we all see in the market today, right? The market is a very different place 
than say three, four, five years ago. Capital is much scarcer. Funding rounds are fewer and far between. Budgets are tighter. And community can drive incredible reach at a surprisingly low investment. So the market environment is driving that interest. And I think that's also why I have so many conversations these days with friends, people, you know, in the network, in the ecosystem. How do you get started? How do I, how do I capitalize on this crazy low cost, but high impact reach? And so, so we see, you know, again, the statistics don't surprise me, but the, the market dynamics are really, I think, driving that. Mm-hmm. I also have a question for you, Kristen, which is like, how does marketing change for if you're targeting people already in your community versus outside of that? So I can't remember whether it was you or Ian who said something really important, which is you have, you know, ideally you have a community of customers amplifying your brand. And like I like to say, telling their story on stage, on social, you know, and your your destinations of choice through their own content, but it amplifies what you're trying to do. The the free part of that is below, you know, the iceberg below the water. It takes time to invest in the relationships, build trust, know the people. Make sure that you are giving the people in your chosen part of the tech the two most important things in their world when they're transforming on, on your product, right? Anyone in your community, whether it's a CEO or an admin or an automation CLE leader, has bet some portion of their career and their company strategy on your technology. And so they need access to the product and a voice into its future. And they need career support and knowledge to advance in their career. And as long as you are swarming your chosen part of the tack, again, I love that term, with those two things through content, programs, destination, they will sing your company's praises through their experience. And so I just want to make sure one of the things that I always start these conversations with is you do need to invest to create that that reach. It's just that the level investment is much lower. It's very low lift and you can pick and choose some very easy start by starting strategies before you have to go and build a 15 million member trailblazer community to drive, you know, the type of impact that that McKinsey statistics are sharing. I would say that this is like one of the things this category creation, these like sort of like high level market moving type decisions are the things that get a CMO to, you know, rise to the stratosphere or get them fired. It's like, these are the type of things that if you have the conviction to do it, then it's going to be really successful. And if you don't, then you won't. Chandar, the CMO uh, of Coupa, who just stepped down, who was at Coupa for for six years and was at Marketo before that, he said that Marketing Nation, when they were building that, he's like, we couldn't, like, it was like the the would they wear the t-shirt moment, whereas like, we could not give out like enough Marketing Nation t-shirts because people wanted to wear them so bad. They wanted to identify as Marketing Nation. And like they felt so excited and like to meet their peers and like empowered and all that stuff. 
and it it was that like that that when he told me that story is a light bulb for me where um your total addressable you know community is built of all these like would you wear the t-shirt moments the t-shirt does not say in that case case didn't say marketo it said marketing nation like that is what you identify with like you identify as a developer or a data driven marketer or an ae or a a um, trailblazer or yeah. a pathfinder yes exactly yeah and like that is that is who you are like when you or if you to go in or like hey what do you do for work it's like oh you know i i work in startups but i'm also a pilot and it's like well you you say that you're more of a pilot tell me more about that and so and i think that the key the key part of that like would you wear the t-shirt moment is that so many companies want to make it about them they just like you know their content just like their other stuff like they want to talk about their product they want to talk about features and benefits and they don't want to talk about the other stuff there's a great example that I'll give where we were doing this podcast and one of the things that I was talking to a bunch of CIOs and they were saying that they wanted to know one of the one of the CIOs he gets reached out to all the time from his peers to ask, how do you get on public boards? They're like, there's tons of CIOs that want to be on public boards. And he was like, we should do an episode on this. And I was talking to our customer. It's like, hey, we should do an episode. And they were like, well, that doesn't really align at all with any of our programming. It doesn't really align at all with any of our content. It doesn't really align at all with our product in like any way. Why would we do that? I'm like, because that's what CIOs want to hear. So I think that that is yep. like one of those things that you have to like, look in the mirror when you're doing community to figure out like what, like I, I talk about this idea of like content provides the push into the community. Whereas community is like a two way street. There's a push and a pull. So like your content is supposed to push your community to react and engage and to talk to each other and to spur conversations and to be remarkable. Whereas community, you have to be listening. You have to be, responding you have to be doing those sort of things and it's a very different sort of emotion and so to say you know to the cio example we were listening to what was happening and then we created you know we had a wonderful episode where we brought on someone who's on a bunch of public boards and had an awesome conversation on how to how to do that and it was a super popular episode and like that is the sort of stuff that that is how content shapes community it's how you you pull from community you create stuff you push it out there and that it, it creates an, a very uh, a very flywheel approach whereas the alternative to that is like not really listening to your community and not really creating things that they want just sort of creating things that you think they want which is okay too but but you can't just do that so a thousand percent what you're saying and the two-way street is so important. And if you make the investment in the things you're talking about, listening, making sure you're solving a problem for your ta your part of the tack, it's their problem you're solving, not your company's. You invest that time, you get this groundswell of authentic content that then you can apply a light or heavy layer of amplification and fine tuning on. And if it's useful, here's two examples. Let's go back to the Salesforce Trailblazer community. With the Trailblazer community, you can connect to a global network of trailblazers from anywhere. Whether you're new to the Salesforce ecosystem or an experienced trailblazer. Many, many years before it was the Trailblazer community, it was a success community. 
And it was growing and thriving and very much in, it it was a product-focused relationship, right? And at the time, it was really just the admin that was the main constituency, the main part of the tech. Later, it grew on and stratified into all the other roles that we see today, developer, architect, sales leader, marketer, etc. It was just admins, but there was a key inflection point. We had won their hearts and minds right? Won their hearts and minds. And so we had a CMO at the time. We probably all know this person, brilliant CMO, right? Wildly successful to this day. And that person said, let's have a selfie contest. Let's go into the community and say, you know, if you take a selfie and and post it talking about Salesforce, you're going to win X, right? Zero traction. Okay. Zero traction. Because It was a a classic bright marketing strategy, a great lever to pull, but there was no value that was being offered to that group of admins. They're like, why would I take time out of my day to take a selfie and post it in your world to help you? It felt very transactional. Fast forward five years later, many people remember that Salesforce's platform underwent a fundamental transformation from classic to lightning, right? Lightning. It's more than a new user experience. It's the next level of Salesforce that everyone wants. A framework for fast customization, an ecosystem of ready-made apps and components. And so we threw our investment in preparing this army of MVPs for Lightning. We trained them earlier. We did global boot camps. We made them ambassadors of Lightning. Do you know, same t-shirt moment, couldn't generate enough swag, right? This was the emergence of the mascots. Couldn't create enough t-shirts, socks, hats, pins, because we had armed these people for a major transformation ahead of its rollout so that they were ready. They looked amazing in their companies and they had all of the earliest insights. And of course, it wasn't perfect. There's no finish line when you go through a major transformation. But the key is we did it together with those community members And they couldn't wait to take those selfies, tell those stories, post those videos. So I think those are two really good examples of when you apply a similar lever. But the first time, you're not offering value the second time you are. Yeah, I think it's what most people are comfortable with is going to their customer advisory board or their community and saying like, hey, we want to make our product better because you use our product and you use it all the time and it's like core to your job. So like we want to make it better and people are very amenable to that because they're like, yeah, I use this all the time and I love it and I would love to you know, provide feedback and you know, everybody wins. It's a little harder for the next step to be like, hey, just what else can we do to make your life better? You know, is it, you know, do you need more time with your spouse? Do you need to get that next promotion? Do you need, you know, Fridays off? Like what, what are the actual things that you're thinking about other than our product? And I think that that's really tough to figure that stuff out. And if you have a forum where people are having conversations without you there, where they're able to communicate and whether that's something that you control or something that you don't control, you can sort of, you know, source, source some of those things. But I think that, that most importantly, like, when you're thinking about community, your job is to accelerate 
their stories, accelerate their connections, to like amplify the things that they're doing, to remove friction, just like any leadership, right, is like remove friction. And I think that so often when you look at the good communities, there are these sort of like human dynamics with where you have like power users, you have power people in the community, you you need to have like very strong admins that can sort of like police that stuff. We talked about that on episode three with Scuffed. You have a lot of lurkers. You have a lot of people who are just sort of looking, never posting, never going to post, never going to write a review, never going to do that stuff. And so if you can source and accelerate those stories, source the places that they can have those connections and put those people together, it's super, super valuable. And like, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so valuable. It's incredible. Let's first start with something you said that was really important is when you take that leap and you have the conversations beyond your product, what can happen? And the other is that the power of creating the conversations for, for creating a story funnel. In the first case, this is one of the first things I did in my role at Automation Anywhere. Obviously, I had the playbook for building a community and I went out and we created the spaces, right? We have the customer advisory board for our executive audience, we have the user groups for our practitioners and leaders, and we had a fantastic beachhead with developers. When we think about citizen developers being upskilled, uh, upskilled and side-skilled to learn Automation Anywhere and learn how to do this RPA stuff, New bot builders will need helpful coaching. The fourth key here is building a community. The benefits of a strong community. Less direct dependency on a COE. And the question I was asking them beyond the product was actually the wrong question, but we had the right forum to get to the right answer. I said, hey, I just inherited this university. The content is a little bit dated. What, more, what other courses do you need? to help your developers. It was a very simple, straightforward question. But because we took the leap, we were listening, committed to taking action, they said, Kristen, you are asking the wrong question. Hmm. Curriculum, I don't know. Maybe it's fine, maybe it's not. But I'm not trying to build a bot. I'm trying to build an automation program. And I love your technology. I lead automation, IT, whatever. My number one problem is marketing. I have to go out to a new generation of stakeholders who run lines of business, different markets. I've never worked with them before and who might be afraid of automation and only know, oh my gosh, robots could take my job and not this can release productivity and, and creativity amongst, amongst your team. And I'm not a marketer. I don't wake up every morning and call myself a CMO. Help me solve that problem. And we created the, the Community Live, the Pathfinder Workshop. We took it out to our top global customers. We started with 40. And ultimately, we have now delivered that workshop program and scaled it globally in every market. We deliver it through our CSMs and our SEs and our partners who are empowered and enabled. And we created this program that is actually allowing them to punch through in their careers their driving more automation, using more of the product, telling others to do the same. And we have a bright, hard line between that program and our upsell, our pipe gen, and our version of ACV. And all of that came about the community workshop as, as our number one go-to-market lever because we took the leap and listened beyond the product. What are you trying to do as an automation leader? So I love that example. And the team did a phenomenal job listening, building, iterating together. 
Another example that is just my absolute favorite about creating the spaces to allow for the content to flow is just the user group program. We had inherited, you know, kind of a complex program run by sales. So instead of our AEs selling software, they were chasing down speakers and running user groups where they really had organized membership based on where the global headquarters was, not where the customers themselves were. So it was a very like, you can't be in that group because your headquarters is in Louisiana, even if you live in New York. Had a very talented user group program leader come in, set a consistent cadence, let the customers lead the topics. We introduced polling, super simple, a simple reg page for sign up. And I would say 80 or 90% of our speakers at our Imagine Conference two weeks ago were people who had first told their story in the user group because we created the space for the conversation to flow. That led to onstage speaking and great speakers, but it also led to great content that our copywriters could take and share out in the community at broader scale. So two great examples of what can happen for your business and your marketing when you create the, the space in the community. An example that that I had, I was running a conference for military veteran entrepreneurs years ago. And but my thought process was that getting actual one-on-one feedback for your business would be like immensely valuable. And we spent a ton of time for this event, you know, cr- planning all the all the content and and all the sessions and all the you know after parties and all that sort of stuff, but the most time that we spent was pairing like was getting a bunch of really good like startup experts at various different fields and industries, and then pairing them up with the attendees that are in those industries that has specific needs that they had identified, and every single person afterwards said that that was the best thing that they'd ever done at a conference was like the like and you weren't talking about product right no, i mean you weren't talking about a product no and like it was just like one-on-one dedicated feedback like round robin style you're going to get to talk to like five different people they're going to give you unsolicited feedback on your product you can ask them questions they're probably people you would never have access to and it was like transformative for a lot of those people. And like, it just took extra work. Like you had to request, you know, you you had to work both sides of the marketplace. You had to like ask people, you know, what they were interested in. They had to actually fill that stuff out. A lot of them didn't. You had to go back and email them again and be like, hey, I saw you didn't do this. Trust me, you need to do this because if you don't do this, you're not going to get paired up with the right people. You know, it just took a lot of work. And I think that there's no traffic on the extra mile with this stuff something we always say at Caspian. And like, if you go the extra mile, like you can, you can get that. And like, we've seen this with, with a lot of the podcasts that we do where we put multiple guests together who don't know each other. And afterwards they're like exchanging contact information. They're like, this is so fun. Right. Like there's so many things like that, where if you just go the extra mile for your community and put people together that don't know each other and then just get the heck out of the way, like it works really well well it always works well and there's so it always works yeah it's so much easier to just say i'm gonna put a panel of two people on stage for an hour then hey we're gonna craft like an hour worth of you know super small breakout sessions where we're gonna pair people like it's way more work but they will remember that thing forever 
and they probably won't remember that talk. So two things are really important that you said. One is going the extra mile to focus on what's the value for the member of your community pays off every single time. The other thing is, though, um, getting out of the way, creating the space and getting out of the way. And one of my, I don't know when we're going to talk about the basic playbook for building community, but one of my favorite easy, easy, low-cost investments is the dinner series. Hey, I just wanted to record a quick video to share my excitement for our user group dinners coming up in the next couple weeks in Australia. My name is Micah Smith, and I lead the developer evangelism efforts here at Automation Anywhere. And you don't have to have a community destination, an entire content team, and you know a, a DevRel community going to have an incredibly high-reach, low-lift dinner series where you get people in a room who are in common roles, and you let them talk. You ask a few key questions. And what you get out of that dinner series is you identify future leaders for the community. You get content. You get a a funnel of content to focus on, themes, problems they're trying to solve, the language they use, prioritization of what you should focus on. And you get the, the interstitial tissue you're talking about that they will remember forever is I had this incredible dinner. They might even not remember the food, but they're going to remember the conversation, who sat on each side of them and across, and what breakthrough aha moment they got from that meal while you share back with your broader community. Kristen, okay, what is your playbook for building community? Okay, my playbook certainly has evolved over time by listening to what constituents need and also, you know, scars on the back, seeing seeing what worked and what didn't, but I would divide it into four parts. Number one is laser focus on your part of attack, your total addressable community to start. You don't want to be all things to all people. So what role is most going to help your business grow if you invest in them? At Salesforce, it started out as admins, then devs, then architects, etc. At Automation Anywhere, I've mentioned, started out as developers and then COE leaders and now our C-suite. Focusing helps you, first of all, make sure you're doing that extra mile, but also helps your first hiring decisions, right? Is your first hire a DevRel person who's going to DIY it? Or is your first hire a customer marketer who's going to provide a more white glove approach and is an awesome storyteller, right? So that's number one, laser focus on which part of the tack is going to help you grow. Second, start small. Start by starting and then scale from there once you know your members more deeply and what works for them. I mentioned the dinner series, incredibly powerful, gets insight for everyone, creates content, builds the first connections. And I've already mentioned, you know, our scaled version of the dinner series, the the Automation Anywhere user group program fueled almost our entire event speaker pipeline, right? Number three, prioritize the four pillars of community to achieve what you need to achieve. And you don't have to do all four. Destination, programs, content, learning, right? For an early stage company, don't go out and build a destination right away. Start with the product tour, right? Or the dinner series. If you are already mature and you have so many connections and your community, your part of the TAC is saying, Where do I give and get help? 
Where do I connect with more thought leaders? Where do I get that that content? That's when you want to invest in the destination. So make sure you're prioritizing your pillars based on where you are and where your community is. And number four is all about commitment. Commit to listening and commit to transparency about any actions you'll take. When you go to your customer advisory board, and and we're heading to ours in New York and London in two weeks, we're going to be really transparent about uh, our product roadmap, our investment in AI solutions for them, and how we're going to swarm that executive group with the help and support they need to take that big leap for their companies, right? And they're going to ask us for a lot of things. We as a company know we'll be able to deliver on some of them. So we're going to say, help us prioritize. And then we're going to be very clear about when we can roll out what. And that is so important, whether you are investing in an admin, a developer, a practitioner, or an executive, is that transparency and that continued commitment to showing up. We'll see you again in three months. We'll see you again in six months. And that you keep that commitment to listening and action. I'd say those four pieces are important in the playbook, regardless of of what stage of growth you're in and what part of the community you're going to invest in. We'll link those up in the show notes as well so that for our listeners who are scribbling furiously. Right on. I love it. I I have a question for you. When when do you launch the Slack channel? When do you launch the Discord? When do you do that? Because that is something that I think we've seen people do so badly and so well, and it's a little polarizing. So it is polarizing, which is just fascinating. But I would say, go back to your role and who you're trying to reach most. First of all, your developers, they live on Discord, Telegram, Slack, all day, every day. That's where they are, right? And so you don't have to launch anything specific to start. You need to understand where they are, what the conversations are. And that first hire, again, this is the developer approach. That first DevRel person needs to listen and lead in those channels. Once that trust is established, then you can move them to your own destination. We have a fabulous developer evangelist leader on our team. His name's Micah Smith, and I've had the privilege of traveling the world with him. And in the automation ecosystem, this person is famous. Like pictures, can I have a picture with him? Oh my God, I'm in the same room with Micah Smith. And that's because he spent the time, he rode the hard yards, earning his credentials in those channels where the conversation was already happening. He is now able to lead a mission and a movement. So we just made sure we chose the right time to essentially port an existing audience. You want to make sure you're making that decision based on where your leaders live. Let's go all the way up the profile stack to the executive. They're not going to live in a private user group. They're just not, right? Think of your CISO example. And anything they create because they are so focused on trust exclusivity is going to be private. So the very best thing you can do for that C-suite community is the live experience. And that is where the white glove event, the exclusivity and the access, the people you bring in, the connections, you know, the people you bring to the table 
is highly curated. And that's what the destination looks like for that group. Does that help answer your question? For sure, yeah. C-levels want to talk into a microphone in front of a lot of people or talk privately where nobody's recording to their peers, right? Like the, exactly. those are the, they either exactly. want to talk in the green room or they channel. want to talk on stage, right? Yes. And, and so it's so different. And the key is, as long as you know your audience, you're delivering them value and you're listening and delivering consistently, you will know when to create your own branded destination, whether it's live or online or both. What's the ROI community? So that's such a big question. Let's talk about two different kinds of ROI, okay? One I've already mentioned is just that direct bright hard line to the metrics of the business, pipe gen, upsell, ACV. And every company is going to set different goals. But in our world with the Pathfinder community, we wanted to first understand, can we influence those metrics? And then when we saw we could with our Pathfinder Global program is to make sure we had absolute metrics rigor. I only know Salesforce as the infrastructure to measure and track that, but you have to have an obsession with the metrics to know who's in your community using which program, destination, channel, or content, and their their connection to the account, the pipe, and the ACV. And as long as you have built that bridge, you can pull any lever you want from program content and destination to the goal that you set. Another example is let's go just purely on content, right? I like to measure not on reach, but number of assets. So right now we goal our community leader and our MVP community on number of assets created. And so when I look at the post-event recaps about Imagine Our Event, I, I honestly, I mean, we have a brilliant marketing team, but I care much less about what they're saying. I care what Carolina from Nike is saying and Jim Frost, who's one of our leading MVPs, and they're posting the recaps and they're sharing what they learned at Imagine. They're sharing the pictures and they're saying, go and check out Pathfinder Academy. And that is much more about the McKinsey statistic of asset and reach than um, anything you would probably measure through your MarTech stack. I think this is like such an obvious thing, but it so few people do it. Like nobody, not nobody, way less people care what your brand recap is of an event than what the actual people who were there at the event are going to share about it. Thank you. It's yeah. like, you know... This is how Caspian Studios felt that Dreamforce went. It's like, okay, this is how Ian felt. Like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. Like, it's just so obvious. But, but again, we put so much time and effort into our quote unquote brand and our brand this and our brand that and whatever. This is why the community is so important. This is why we're talking about it, right? Is like everybody still feels like they're part of Marketing Nation, whether or not they use Marketo, right? right? So it's like, it's just those are the sort of things that it's like tap into the the humans, the the people who are the mavens who are out there networking, doing that. I mean, Salesforce had a bunch of evangelists too, they still do, but had a bunch of evangelists like constantly working all the time in a bunch of different ways, you know, getting out there. Again, they wouldn't be doing that if the marketing wasn't 
you know, wasn't effective. And like those sort of things, like propping up people who are smart, who you trust, who are awesome is like absolutely a winning strategy. And they could work for your company or they could work, you know, other places, but it's an absolute, absolute winning strategy. Well, here is where I like to offer up the one, two, and three most critical hires to make that magic happen, right? And the very first thing you really need is what I'd like to call the community manager jack of all trades. And that is someone who brings the people together and has enough content marketing expertise to amplify the authentic stories that are heard, right? If you're doing a dinner series, a user group, a cab, you can have a classic community manager, you can have a classic customer marketer, it doesn't matter, as long as they can create the space and then amplify the content that's out, right? Your That comes out of that. Your customers, your MVPs, your devs, your practitioners, your CEOs that are in front of that microphone or in the green room, they're very, very good at telling their own story. And that's your natural, authentic base. But you do need a content marketer or a community manager who can refine it just a scotch so that it ladders up to the core values of your brand. Or also, you may have people who have a powerful story, but are just not used to the spotlight. And they just want to have a conversation with you and say, go and write the blog post. I'm fine. So you do want that that one and two hire, the, the community manager to create the space and the customer or content marketer to amplify the stories that come out of it. And I would say, you can hire one or the other, or you can hire someone who can straddle both until it's time to uh, diversify. Yeah, I would also, I love that. I, I, you really want that person to be the, the, who wants to reply to every single DM, right? Like you want that person on the ground. Yes. That they're the person who will just, they just want to talk to people. The other thing that I would add, and this is because you know we run this play a lot for our customers, is like give that person a podcast. Give them a platform Thank you. that yeah. they can own, like they like you own as a company, but they can and like people are like, well, what if they leave? It's like the old like CFO, like, what if we what if we train our people and they leave? What if we don't and they stay? Right. It's like build them a show, let them bring people on and let them be themselves, and then you accelerate the those stories with your brand reach, with paid, with all that other stuff. We've seen that play work so incredibly well over and over and over again. We're taking people, give them a show and letting them run with it. You know, 100 episodes in and you're like, oh yeah, no, we close like one in 10 deals from from this, from doing this sort of stuff. So there's a million benefits there, but that's absolutely, it's a, it's a tried and true play at this point. Tried and true. The reason that you can tell that deal impact story is if you're obsessed about metrics and you make sure you have the measurement in place. So I cannot say enough to, to drive that ROI, be obsessed with measurement and apply massive rigor to it. Okay, Kristen, what, what do we miss? I know we've covered a lot of ground here. What do we miss? Okay, we didn't, well, we could talk about this for hours, but I think we covered the basics, like start by starting, create the space, amplify the content, know the role you're focused on, solve their problem, then they will solve yours for growth. Um, because community is giving back and all about generosity of expertise, 
um, here's what we almost would have missed if we didn't spend this moment is I have to give back and give a shout out to two groups of people. One is the amazing Pathfinder community team at Automation Anywhere. They are freaking rock stars and they are crushing it every single day. And two is the godmother of community, Erica Cool, who was such a transformational part of my time at Salesforce and is an incredible resource to anyone building community to this day. So let's give it up for Erica Cool. I love it. That is awesome. Well, we could do this for hours and hours. Hours. We'll we'll (laughs) fill out the show notes here and put a bunch of the stuff in writing so that people can check it out. But, uh, you know, I don't want to say there's, there's, you know, I don't think there's a right way to do community necessarily, you know, take and lift as much as, as you'd like. But I think there are some wrong ways to do it. And hopefully this can get people to avoid trying to, you know, build the entire arc uh, overnight, which I think is is pretty challenging. Well, Ian and Meredith, thank you so much for having me and uh, just letting me talk about something that's so important uh, to what we're all doing in B2B SaaS, but also a true passion for me and just so much damn fun. Thanks so much, Kristen. Everybody check out Automation Anywhere and you can check out examples of their community in the wild. Kristen, thanks again for joining and we will talk soon. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise.